Hey, Masia, how are you today? I'm doing well. What about you, Dirk? I'm uh, doing excellent. Only it's uh, winter's officially here. Uh, it's uh, it was at the freezing point last night, and it actually snowed. Ooh, yeah. But don't tell me about Miami. I know it's. But just what's the temperature in Celsius? Uh, twenty six, twenty five. Oh. Yeah, kind oh. of rainy, but it's good, warm, um, and nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, twenty five. Still very nice. <laughs> so, so I feel like uh, before we get into the episode, it's like Groundhog Day because we've been doing this before, and it feels like we're back here. So True. sometimes that happens. So I do think I saw the little recording sign up there, but we don't have a file, right? Yes. <laughs> so we well, do it all over again, and I hope it's yeah. gonna be as good as the last time. But this time it's working. This time it's working. So. Hi everyone. This is Dirk, and this is Marcia, and we are on a and mission. We're on a mission to make companies make com more customer centric. Sorry, I blew it. <laughs> Decisions are always made with a certain mindset, and we all have limitations in what we see and what we don't see. And that's the reason why we used the bird in a cage analogy in our previous episode. So despite of the knowledge that the product orientation is uh, not enough, so when we have companies and we look at the companies already in the marketing today, we see this happening all the time. Yes, so... When we, we just when you just do the math, it is the year 2020. So probably every decision maker that is in any company these days is probably 30 years or older. So this means they were all born in the last century. And there's a mm -hmm. good chance most of them were educated in the last century's paradigm, which is very different from you know what has happened to us after the internet and the mobile revolution. Mm -hmm. And so um, we thought we got to talk about the different mindsets of the 20th century and the 21st century. And we're going to do a double feature this time. So because there's, there's lots to talk about, and it's very hard to do it in five to six minutes. As you know, we want to keep this short and crisp. We're going to do two episodes. The first one is going to be looking back about 100 years um, to the beginning of the 20th century because a lot of how we operate today is very much rooted in there. And then in the second episode in two days from now, we hope you'll join us. We'll talk about what the internet has done to us and uh, what kind of mindset is necessary to thrive in the current environment. True. So Marcia, do you wanna take us back 100, 110 years and give us a history lesson? Yes. <laughs> so I love it. many companies, as we know today, were founded either in the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, let's take a few examples. General Electric, Siemens, Ford, Coca-Cola, Whirlpool, IBM. So big brands, they exist for more than 100 years now. The beginning of the past century was what we call the second industrial revolution. It was a period where the real mass production and manufacturing started. And and let's take, for example, the Ford Model T as an example for, or a product, right? So Ford built that car between 1908 and 1927. And it was really the first efforts to make the car popular and available for everyone using uh, Taylor's principles of scientific management 
as the theory behind the debt production type. Before that, Ford uh, built Ford models A to S, but the Model T was really the one following the principles uh, uh, stated by Taylor. Yeah, so the first part of that 20th century mindset, which is you know still active in you know in our decision makers today, is that um, companies were created around a product. It was product delivering to the masses, mm -hmm. and it was not just cars at the time um you and i talked about refrigerators and by the way this is why that episode is called the kelvinator mm -hmm. because in our research when you know it's 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 quite kind of interesting to think a hundred years ago nobody really had a refrigerator so where would we put our milk eggs dairy everything that needs um to be cold so mm -hmm. well that's a totally different discussion we realized um in the 1920s when refrigerators become more common um, there was one of the products that was, um, you know, like the Model T built for the masses. And Marcia, you found an interesting detail about the price of refrigerators in the year mm -hmm. 1922. Yeah. So it's mind blowing to think that a refrigerator costed seven hundred fourteen dollars in 1922 versus a Model T that costed four hundred fifty dollars. So it's impossible to think about that today. It's a, it's, it, this is a, this is a crazy. Yes. So first part of the mindset is the, um, is making a product, forming a company around the product. And then after World War II, there were more and more companies popping up, making the same product. In this case, for example, making refrigerators. And so they had to find a way to differentiate themselves. And Marcia, how did the refrigerator guys differentiate themselves? They started creating colors, different colors. So many companies, Frigidaire or GE, companies that we still, still see today as well, they started offering multiple colors. Until 1950, all the refrigerators were white. Yeah, yeah, imagine that. And, um, and the Kelvinator, as uh, it's my, my favorite new brand, I take it, you know, I, I'm, I'm sincere in this one. I think it's really a cool brand name. Um, the Kelvinator was produced until the 1986, I believe. Yes. Correct? Yes. And um, the Kelvinator as a brand, this kind of represents for me like the product obsession we've had in the 20th century. And I think, you know, my neighbor has a Sub-Zero. I think if I had a Kelvinator, I would actually win that competition just when it comes <laughs> to the brand name. But um, so one thing, the next part of the mindset, this, this 20th century mindset is what managers learned is I have to add features to my product. I have to do continuous product development to stay on top of things. So what we've seen is they've um, implemented huge development, product development departments that would make sure that there's always you know, either a new product or an updated product. And this is actually to the day. We live in the, you know, in a more customer dominated world and even our poster child of customer orientation, Apple, you know, when they advertise their iPhone, they advertise it because they have the best features like the best camera, like the great, I, I can't even remember iPhone 12 has sort of different glass on it. Um, it's not Gorilla Glass anymore, it's something else. So they're mm -hmm. advertising with, features, despite Apple being a very customer-oriented company. Yes, yes. So adding features is nowadays the 
innovator's dilemma. So Clayton Christensen, 1997, wrote this book, Dirk, where you're talking about that adding features when we think about today's mindset is not enough because this is not yeah. what describes, what creates, what the customers really want to know about that. Yeah, it, that's a great point. So the uh, innovator's dilemma or disruptive innovation is companies had these development or still have these de development departments that basically develop a product faster than the market needs it. That's the mm -hmm. definition of, you know, one of the definitions of disruptive innovations like BMW. You know, it's a brand I love. It's a, and I love the BMW I drive. Um, I do think, though, their development department is right now developing probably the 20th generation of a suspension system and the consumer has already checked out at the 10th generation because for consumer needs it was already good enough mm -hmm. and we're living in a time where basically every product even a premium car brand is a commodity for those aficionados out there i you know i i, I uh, don't criticize me for that but for the average consumer probably every one of those 10 different premium brands has great cars Never it be Lexus, Mercedes, Audi, whatever it is. So what has evolved over time, because there's an abundance of product, consumers were starting to look for something different. Not the feature that the product has, because frankly, most products, they all have the same feature. It's very hard to differentiate over feature. So consumers were starting to look, okay, what else makes these companies different? And they turn to what we call the customer experience. Sure. It's like... I'm being treated differently here than I am there. The product is pretty much comparable. I apologize again for the car aficionados, right? But um, the, the companies that have a customer-oriented mindset that would make decisions towards you know, comforting customers and providing an experience, they would gain an advantage, not those who decided to add new features to their product. Yes. And you are raising important points that we are going to cover in two days when we start talking about customer-oriented companies, and which started around 1990s with the focus what customers really need or want, and not only what the companies are building or adding features to the product. So in two days, we are going to cover the customer-oriented companies uh, and this new mindset. Yes. So, dear viewer, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As you know, we want to keep this short and crisp. Well, this wasn't so short. I hope it was crisp enough. Um, as I said, this was probably, I don't know, third or fourth take because we messed up the recording. But I enjoyed it, Marcia. Thank you so much. Yes, it was yes, good to do it all you. over again. Yeah. This is Dirk. And this is Marcia. And we are on a mission to make companies more customer-centric. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you.